thank you to Kenneth Copeland Ministries for sowing the airtime for this broadcast. There's enough power in every sick room and in every hospital room to raise up that sick one that may be describing you. Yes, you yes. may be in a sick room. Yeah. You may be in a hospital room. And I want to remind you, power is present. That power is there to do a work. Believe in what's present, not trying to get something, but notice that he's already made it yours. It's present right where you're at. Say, I receive that power. I receive that power. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. From the top of my head. The top of my head. the soles of my feet. The soles of my feet. We are so glad to have you with us today for Jesus the Healer. Thank you for joining us. We have a precious studio audience here, and they're here. They're hungry. They're receiving. We trust that you're hungry and receiving what the Word has for you today. So get hold of your Bible. Get hold of a notepad and pen or pencil. Follow along with us or your device. Whatever you take notes on, get hold of it and join with us. Become a student today. Amen. We've been been studying the last couple of episodes looking looking at the different healings that happened under Jesus's earthly ministry. We have a count of about 19 different individuals that it's recorded that were healed under the ministry. But how many of you know, multitudes, multitudes were healed, but the Holy Ghost saw fit to record 19 of these individually. Why? So we could have them as a reference. We could have them to study by. Why? Because as we study them, we see how to receive healing, but we also see how to minister healing because uh, healing power is for us and those we come in contact with. Amen. And so uh, we want to become skillful with this healing anointing that belongs to us. And not only that, skillful with our faith in believing for healing. Amen. So we're going to take some time today and we're going to look at the healing of the man that was deaf and dumb. And uh, we're going to read the whole passage and then we'll go back through and we'll read it line by line and we will study it. Release your faith. If you need healing today, I tell you what, have ears for your own help. Amen. And let your heart agree with these things. And as you do, release your faith. Amen. How do you release your faith? Through what you say and through what you do. Amen. So Mark chapter 7, and we're going to read out of the Amplified Classic Translation, verse 31. Mark chapter 7, verse 31 reads, Soon after this, Jesus coming back from the region of Tyre, passed through Sidon on onto the Sea of Galilee through the region of Decapolis, which Decapolis is a region of 10 different cities combined. Verse 32, and they brought to him a man who was deaf and had difficulty in speaking and they begged Jesus to place his hand upon him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he thrust his fingers into the man's ears and spat and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and uh, he said, Ephephtha, which means be opened. And his ears were opened and his tongue was loosed and he began to speak distinctly. Look at this. And as he should. 
Verse 36, and Jesus in his own interest admonished and ordered them sternly and expressly to tell no one. But the more he commanded them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. <laughs> Verse 37, and they were overwhelmingly astonished saying, he has done everything excellently, commendably and nobly. He even makes the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Even they recognize this is something worth seeing, right? This is something worth experiencing. Uh, in this passage, we see that others brought this man to Jesus. So what do we know about them? They're compassionate people. Yes. They're interested in someone else getting their help. And I tell you what, that's the wonderful thing about when the love of God's on the inside of you. It's not just about you anymore. Right. Amen. It needs to matter to us that others get the help they need. Well, what does that mean for us then? That means we need to become skillful with the word, skillful with healing power, skillful with our faith. Why? Because it's not just about us getting ours. We should get ours. Absolutely. But also how to bring others into the place where they get their needs met. Amen. And I tell you, there's something about compassion. That will do that will do a work that really nothing else will. And so we always need to it needs to matter to us that others receive what they need. Do you know really, uh, the word tells us it says, pray one for another that you may be healed. What's that do? There is a spiritual principle here, a spiritual law here. Of course, what it is, what you sow, you reap. But also when he says in his word, pray one for another that you may be healed, that he has linked our health to our interest in someone else's health. Oh, that's Amen. Yeah. That we, it, it, the gospel knows nothing about selfishness, oh, right? Yeah. It just knows about uh, love and interest in those, mm -hmm. in others. Jesus, when he came, nothing of his coming was for himself. That's right. right. It was completely for us. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And so we are to take that heart of compassion and make it a flow of our life. Yeah. And I tell you, the, the, the way compassion can, um, if I could say this, spring up more and more in your life is the more you're in the presence of the Father, the more you're going to pick up His heart for things. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And you'll pick up His compassion for people. And that's what we see that these people were interested in their friend receiving yeah the help that he needed. Amen. Amen. Now these people brought this man to Jesus. So it must mean they believed something. Yes, yeah. that's right. They believed Jesus had help for him. Yes. They believed that he was a healer or they wouldn't have brought the sick man to him. Yeah. So the man had people around him who expected something for him. You know, it matters that you know who in your life can go on a faith journey with you. <laughs> Too many times we want to see who's good friends to hang out with on Friday night or go do this favorite activity or that favorite activity. Maybe someone you would go on vacation with, but how about a faith trip? Somebody who will say, you know what? I'm going to bring my faith to this project and we're going to believe God and God's going to, God's going to meet that need. Well, this is what these people were. They were faith friends for this man. It matters who you have around you. When you're believing God for a miracle, you cannot have room for anything but what God says. 
And it matters that when you're believing God for a miracle that you have people who will not, if I could say this, argue against that, but agree with that. Amen. So what if those people of this deaf man, this deaf and this man who could not speak right, what if they mocked Jesus? What if they mocked stories or testimonies that they would have heard about Jesus? Uh, because there were certainly people who didn't believe in that day. There were religious leaders who were against the healing miracles that happened through Jesus's ministry. They attacked him for it. What if these would have heard testimony about others that would have been healed and said, well, you know, that's not true. You know, somebody's just worked up. They're just, they're just elaborating on a story. What if someone would have mocked a testimony instead of believed it? Because they believed it, they were able to help someone else who needed it. Amen. It matters what you hear. And what you hear is what you'll believe. So don't listen to people and surround yourself with people who are skeptical. They're skeptics. They want, if they can't mentally figure out a miracle, they, they question it. Well, uh, someday everybody, everybody needs a miracle. <laughs> And you want to make sure that you've been hearing the right thing and agreeing with the right thing. Notice this. It says that they begged Jesus to place his hand up on him. So evidently they knew something about Jesus laying hands Mm -hmm. on the sick. They believed that when Jesus' hands were laid on him that something would happen. Mm -hmm. So notice this is what they asked for. They asked for Jesus to lay hands on him and he did exactly what they asked. Yes. Yes, he did. Amen. Amen. Jesus will meet you at the place you're believing for. Wherever your faith is, he'll meet you there. Remember the centurion soldier said, speak the word only Uh and my servant shall be healed. And so Jesus spoke the word. Here they said, lay your hands on him. So he laid his hands on him. Why? He's wanting to, he meets us where we're at. He meets us with what our faith is asking for. Amen. Amen. And so we see this is one valid way of ministering to the sick is lay hands on the sick. We're instructed, all believers, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's not just an instruction given to ministers. That's an instruction given to every member of the body of Christ. And I believe that we will all stand before Jesus one day and answer for, did we do that? Yes. Well, it's not, did my pastor do that? Or did I go to a church that did that? When the word says, lay hands on the sick, that's a command. That's not a suggestion. (laughs) That's a command. Lay hands on the sick and here's what will happen. They shall recover. When you lay hands on someone to be healed, you are authorized and commanded to tell them, you shall recover. Amen. Amen. That's That's what the word says. Uh, so we need to make sure that we're laying hands on the sick. And, and, and not only that, we have to do it and learn and skillfully, skill learns this, there's an appropriate way. There's an appropriate time. There's an appropriate place. Amen. And so following the Holy Ghost, he will help you do it in a way that the person in need can best receive. Amen. 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 Uh, do you know, really, this is the only instruction in the New Testament we have where believers should lay hands on the sick. Mm-hmm. 
excuse me, or should lay hands on someone is regarding the sick. Yes, yeah. that's true. There's no scripture that tells you to lay hands on others for other things, mm -hmm. but this one it specifies, yes. lay hands on the sick Amen. and they right. shall recover. Yeah. That means that we should all become skillful yes. in this flow of ministering yes. healing Amen. and receiving healing. Yes. Right. Amen. Amen. Verse 33 uh, we see these words and it says, and taking him aside, Jesus took him aside from the crowd privately. So since using this word crowd, we get the idea that there was more gathered there than just the people who brought the man. Right. Right. right? We, we get this word crowd. So Jesus takes the man aside from the crowd. Why did he do that? I, I would say for two reasons. Although others brought the man to Jesus, ultimately, whether someone receives is between the man and Jesus. That's right. Yes, yeah. that's right. Someone can point you to, to the Lord, but no one can make you receive. That's, that's right. right. That's right. You know, growing up, my dad was a cotton and wheat farmer. We had, he had cattle at times. And of course we had horses and he, you know, it was a common phrase. You can, you can take a, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Right. Right. That's right. <laughs> Meaning you can set him up mm -hmm. to have everything he needs supplied, but you still can't make him take it in. Right. And others could bring this man to Jesus, but it was going to be ultimately between the man and Jesus. Right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, in a crowd, not only that, in a crowd, you can have hindrances. That's right. Mm -hmm. Someone can just be there as a spectator, not at, not joining their faith. You know, could I say this to you? Whenever you're in a church service, and your pastor or a minister is there and they're laying hands on the sick, add your faith. Yes. I mean, actively release your faith. Don't just be a spectator in a setting like that, because spectators uh, don't facilitate a flow of power. That's right. Amen. Get involved. So Jesus is, uh, it could be several reasons. Is he getting him away from someone in the crowd who would have been a hindrance in the sense of, I don't believe that. Look at him touching him. I mean, look, he spit. What did Jesus do? He spit on his finger and touched him. That would offend the carnal man. That would offend someone who's not hungry. That would offend someone who isn't at the, in the, doesn't have that same need. They think, well, that's not necessary, but are you the one deaf and dumb? That's right. You know, when, when you're the one with the need, it's amazing what you'll be open to when it comes in the flow of help, right? And not only that, there could have been someone that would have been a hindrance. Uh, another thing is in a crowd, you're going to have many different systems of believing going on. Uh, Dad Hagen used to make this statement. He would talk about, he said... Uh, because, of course, he had meetings in big convention centers. Uh, he had meetings in churches. He had them in all different types of settings. And he said, really, and he would talk to us pastors and he'd say, in the local churches where you're going, you should have the greatest demonstration of power. Amen. Because he said in these big conventions, he said, there's so many different systems of believing going on, it's hard to get everybody going the same direction. Yes. But he said in a local church, when they've had time to sit under the same spiritual diet, eat of the same spiritual food, have the same instruction, Instruction. It's easier to get them in unity when it comes to faith right. because there's not normally going to be a bunch of different systems of believing of those who have been feeding together as a congregation. And so uh, you have to wonder, was Jesus 
dismissing those who had a different system of believing. You see, Mm -hmm. hallelujah. Hallelujah. Settings affect faith. I said settings affect faith. We have um, here at the ministry in our church, we've had, we've always had a, what we call them a healing team. That if we had a congregation member that was in the hospital, had a surgery or anything, we would send our people from our congregation to go and spend time just encouraging them, lay hands on them, minister to them, read scriptures, take them materials, remind them, give them good testimonies. Mm -hmm. And uh, our people that would go and minister would say, it's definitely not the same atmosphere as the local church. (laughs) Why? Because you're in a setting where sickness is so prevalent and all kinds of words going on, all kinds of fear happening. And I tell you what, the devil takes advantage of people when they're not in a, in a, atmosphere of faith to try to bombard their minds, try to trouble them. And so we see this. It matters that when you're believing God for a miracle, you you don't surround yourself with unbelief. Settings matter. Can I, you know, now think about it this way. Um, You have a young man who's in love with this gal. He's, He's been dating. He decides he's going to ask her to marry him. Um... If he's sensitive, (laughs) if he's wanting a good response Mm -hmm. to his proposal, he's wanting the outcome of a yes, he's going to think about where is he going to ask her? Who is going to be present? He's going to think about the setting, the setting, because the setting matters to the moment. Amen. Amen. Um, I saw a recording that somebody that uh, proposed to somebody and evidently she did not like the setting he chose. And it was in the middle of a big ball game. You know, people do it all kinds of different ways. They'll show it up like, right, like up on a screen or something like this. But this man just got back, got down in a crowd of strangers and just in the middle of the game, just asked her to marry him. And she goes, Are you kidding me? Right here, right now, this is what you thought would be appropriate. (laughs) And she walked off. Well, (laughs) setting mattered. I said setting mattered. The outcome you want, you have to consider the setting. Sometimes you can't control the setting, but if you can, if you can, get the most favorable setting to faith. Amen. Amen. I remember my husband talking about years ago in a, one of the first church he pastored that there was a um, uh, there was a woman that had had a, I think she was like only in her thirties and she ended up having a stroke, which was very unusual. And uh, the doctors said, you know, there was too much damage. She was in a coma. They said she, if she comes out, there will be brain damage. She'll be crippled. It was all kinds of, the report was negative mm-hmm. on every front. Yeah. And her and her husband had been part of my husband's church for years. And so her husband went in there and he started turning on healing tapes of my husband preaching. And uh, then her family who did not attend that church, and I don't know if they attended a church or what church they would have attended, but they were not in agreement 
with him playing these healing tapes. So every time they would come in, they would turn off the word. And he told them, he said, she needs to hear, her spirit needs to hear the word. Because although her body can't respond, her spirit is not asleep. Her spirit can still hear and take in. And he says, I want her to have faith words going in. And he said, so that's why I have it on, not because she's awake, but because I want the atmosphere and I want her to hear. Well, they didn't understand that and they were quite adamant that that be turned off. And so he had to make a hard choice (laughs) and he kicked her family out of the room and said, I know she's your daughter, but she's my wife and I'm believing God for her to be restored. And she was restored. But if he had not have been willing to make someone unhappy (laughs) and you don't do things like that in a way you, you, you do them as peacefully and as much in love as you can, but you have to know faith is a fight. Faith is a fight. And the devil will use sometimes those who are close to us to make our fight of faith ineffective. And so we have to guard the atmosphere, guard um, the setting so that the Holy Spirit is honored, Mm -hmm. so that God's power is reverenced. Amen. 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 And so it's not always easy to get people healed in certain settings. Um, you can, you can be in, I mean, ministers have talked about different times that they'd be preaching on healing. Dad Hagen would say, and there would be ministers present in the service who didn't believe in it. And he said, they're breathing the hot breath of unbelief down his neck. (laughs) And he said, it was very difficult. And then they'd say, see, this stuff doesn't work. We'll see all the, they'd charge the atmosphere with unbelief and doubt and then tried to see if he could do something then you know, about ministering healing to people. So it does matter. And sometimes, sometimes you're not in a setting and you don't have control over the setting. I tell you what, the power of God is great. But if you can make the the setting more conducive to faith, do it. Amen. Amen. So I have no doubt that that's what Jesus was doing. He was making the setting more conducive to faith by dismissing crowds who you don't know if they're with you or against you. Amen. Amen. If unbelief hinders him. Mm-hmm. Listen, remember in his own hometown, Jesus went there in Nazareth to minister uh, to those hometown people that he grew up with. And it said that uh, they, number one, they were offended at him. Mm-hmm. Number two, uh, they doubted. They were in unbelief. And it says he could there do no mighty work. Why? Because of their unbelief. Yes. Well, if unbelief will hinder him then, Unbelief will hinder him now. And that's why I say the setting matters. When when it's not a setting of faith, do what you can to make it a setting of faith. Sometimes you have to dismiss those people and don't dismiss them in a way that's offensive. If you can get by, just say, can you go do this for me? I'm going to do this. (laughs) You know, just... Do it as nicely as you can. But I tell you what, when you're in a fight of faith, sometimes you just have to go against what people would choose for you to do. Now look at verse 33. It says, In taking him aside from the crowd privately, Jesus thrust his fingers into the man's ears and he spat and touched his tongue. So evidently Jesus spit on his finger and then touched the man's tongue with that finger. 
Amen. Why did he do that? You don't see Jesus do that every time he ministered to someone like that. No doubt he's following the leading of the Spirit. When you're part of skill in ministering healing is following the leading of the Spirit. How does he tell you to minister to someone? Don't just get it in your head that it's going to be this way. Look to the Holy Ghost. If Jesus looked to the Spirit to follow his leading, how much more we need to look to the Spirit to follow his leading. No doubt this is what Jesus did. He was following how the Spirit told him. And you could say, you could reason. Jesus himself could have reasoned. Well, what good is it for me to spit on my finger before I touch his tongue? We don't know. It doesn't matter. Just obey. Our obedience is attached to our miracle. Our obedience is attached to someone else's healing. If Jesus hadn't have done it the way the Spirit led him, you have to wonder, would he have gotten the same results? Because we've done it in ways, we've done things in ways that the Spirit wasn't leading us. And when we've done it, something against what the Spirit led, we didn't get results, right? It's when we cooperate with how the Spirit's leading us that we get results. And so Jesus no doubt could have calculated and reasoned against this. But don't let your reasonings take you against the leading of the Spirit. This goes to show us because the Holy Spirit didn't do this the same way every time. I mean, it does go to show us how diverse the Spirit of God is. How diverse He is. And we not only, when we're following the Spirit, we're also following Him into His diversity. And people say, well, why does he do it different ways? Well, first of all, he knows what the people need. He knows what will reach them. Another thing is he leads us different ways because he's leading us so that we follow by faith. If he did the same same thing every time, told you to minister to the same different people the exact same way every time, Isn't there a measure of you that wouldn't lean and depend on him because you've already guessed and assumed Uh how he was going to lead and you may not release the same amount of faith. Interesting. Verse 34, it says, I I love this, and Jesus looking up to heaven. When you're ministering to to the sick, it matters where you're looking. Don't look at the sick one. Look to the one who heals the sick. Because sometimes what you're seeing when you look at someone that's sick, they're focused on someone that's sick. It can look so impossible to you. But they're not healed because we looked at them. They're healed because we, we attached or released our faith to the one who does heal. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we have to realize where we look when we release our faith makes all the difference. I said it makes all the difference. And it's, it's something we have to practice that when, when something in front of you looks so bad, what skill it takes to not look. To not look there, but to look to the one who... Uh, who does the work. Amen. 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 The good news is we're not the healer. 
He is. It's on him, not on us. Well, we've been teaching out of our book, The Healer Divine. We want you to get your copy. You can go to DufresneMinistries.org. Let us know you need that and we'll get it right to you. Until next time, remember, Jesus is the healer. God bless you. To watch or listen to today's message and other messages by Nancy Dufresne, visit DufresneMinistries.org. In this classic book by Nancy Dufresne, we are presented with a study of the healings of Jesus. Order this book now at DufresneMinistries.org. Please join us for our annual Holy Ghost meetings in Marietta, California, January 6th through the 11th, 2023 with Nancy Dufresne. We are also excited to welcome Kenneth Copeland and Richard Roberts as our special guests. For more information, please visit our website at DufresneMinistries.org. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, submit a prayer request, or visit our online store. Thank you to the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries for making this production possible.